0: Welcome to the first episode of the newly revamped I'm Your Biggest Fan Podcast with me, Jasmine Lamy. I first started the idea of chatting with your favourite musicians about their favourite bands back in 2021 as a radio show. And I am so excited to bring it back in this format. All too often, we forget that our heroes started out as standard music fans just like we are before finding their own musical journey. So I think it's important to reminisce on the reasons and anecdotes from our childhoods to remind us why music is so important. But firstly, this podcast is proudly in association with the Noise Podcast Network and sponsored by the Satanic Tea Company. I am drinking some Satanic Tea on this this episode, specifically their Satan's Slumber chamomile blend to help get me some shut-eye. Tonight. um, They have a range of herbal teas, coffees, mugs, t shirts, and other exclusive merch can be found on their website at pitchblacknorth.com, including one of my favourite mugs, Drink Tea, Worship Satan. Let's get into it. If you've clicked on this link, then you will know that the first band we're talking about today is Kiss. And in case you've been living under a rock for the past 50 years, or if you're a sixth, month-year-old baby, you've still probably heard KISS. KISS are an American four-piece glam rock band from New York formed in 1973 and signed to Universal Music. To date, they have released 20 full-lengths and a total of 44 albums. That's a lot of albums. With the last one, Monster, being released in 2012. They were the pinnacle and pioneers of shock rock, incorporating their signature and instantly recognisable face paint, blood spitting, fire breathing, rockets, levitating stunts and so much more into their live shows. They've influenced hundreds, if not thousands of bands and musicians across their five decade career, including my first guest today, British new wave of classic rocker Beth Blade from Beth Blade and the Beautiful Disasters. This was such a fun interview to do. And again, thanks so much to Beth for being my first guest on this podcast. This ended up being way longer than anticipated, but was still fun nonetheless. Cool. So, there we go. Yay. Firstly, thank you so much for being my first guest on the podcast. This is very exciting. Thank you for having me. It's Um, awesome. Yeah, as I explained, obviously, like, as fans of music, you always forget that the musicians you love also started out as fans of music, just like the rest of us. And I imagine, not that you'd get bored answering all the same old questions about your own music and your own material, but it's like sometimes you just want to... You know, you just want to reminisce about the reasons that got you into music in the first place.
1: Yeah, be a geek and be a dork and talk about music, absolutely. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. That's what most of us are, to be honest.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Um, that's what I mean. Uh, Obviously, so the band you've chosen to talk about today is The Mighty Kiss.
1: Yes, very, very big
0: influence on me. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so I guess my first question is like what age were you when you got into Kiss? Or like do you remember the first ever time you heard them?
1: Yeah, so my mum and dad are huge into the rock music, um, 60s, 70s, 80s. So music had always been around in the house. And I don't really remember a time where there wasn't KISS. Mm -hmm. but i do have a really distinct memory of being about two three years old and uh, it was the video for i love it loud and i was watching that and paul stanley rolls up he jumps up in the air and he rolls on the floor with his guitar and i remember trying to copy him and being very very sad when my toy guitar did not survive it oh no (laughs) collateral
0: damage (laughs)
1: yeah and i guess um from being so young that kind of um big image had such an impression on me that from you know that that point even even then the theatrics of a, mm. a rock and roll show were something that i immediately grasped onto and took interest in
0: Yeah, of course. I mean, that was going to be my next question, because what other music were you listening to or were you exposed to at the time that, you know, quite didn't quite make the cut the same way Kiss's theatrics and visuals did? Well, yeah, there's a lot. I listened
1: to a lot of different music. So there was always different kinds of music in the house. Uh, There was Motown, there was big band music, there was musicals. Uh, You know, my dad, he's a rocker, but his favourite film is like Singing in the Rain. Oh, amazing. I can literally tell you every single word from that movie. Um, But yeah, it it got to the point where I, you know, I took an interest in singing and songwriting. And what I would do is um, my dad had made himself a mixtape for the car. And then I would be making a mixtape of the mixtape for my Sony Walkman (laughs) that I used to carry around. And... um, what I would do is I would, you know, write the lyrics down to the songs in my little journal to think about how they were put together. And, uh, those songs still in, in, are in my head all the time, even now. Um, why can't this be loved by Van Halen? Hmm. Uh, these dreams by heart, oh, every amazing. little thing does is magic by the police. Um, Lavender by a band called Marillion, oh, and yeah. just this really, uh, Babe by Sticks, and just this kind of really eclectic mix of, of music. Um, but for me, Kiss was the one that musically my brain just seemed to really gravitate towards it.
0: Okay. And that, so that did that, so you fell in love with them more compared to everyone else even just with the audio even before all the visual visuals sorry
1: yeah so there's something for me and obviously it's not something that they get a lot of credit for there's something for me in the songwriting that is really hooky and Mm. it really just captures my attention and there's a couple of other bands who kind of do the same um you know the Beatles songwriting is yeah. is amazing again they're another band that people tend to say are overrated but for me the the, the building blocks of what actually makes up the songs and the compositions are, are really quite similar to Kiss mm-hmm. um which, which people tend not to connect um and i find it in david bowie as well um and it's the same thing that grabs me um and it's really kind of informed my own songwriting in a in a really deep way which sounds ridiculous because they mostly write about partying and
0: rock and roll and (laughs) and sex is there anything else to life (laughs) i know right (laughs) That's all that matters. It's funny that you say that about um, the Beatles, because I am unfortunately one of the guilty people that never quite got on the bandwagon with the Beatles. But I think it's because, firstly, I just want to say that I absolutely appreciate what they did for music and all of my favourite bands wouldn't exist without them. So I'm just putting that out there. But I think when I got first introduced to music, I was introduced to like Guns N' Roses and Iron Maiden and then I went heavier so then when I went back and like tried to listen to the Beatles I think it was a bit too soft for me and too safe um yeah but I do I have my reasoning that doesn't mean that I don't appreciate oh no of course (laughs) everybody has different tastes like
1: I I get flamed for two of them all the time so I I particularly Pink Floyd bore me to tears. (laughs) Like I would rather do a lot of things than listen to a Pink Floyd record, and I have listened to them all to make sure. Yeah, yeah. Done your research. And 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 again, kind of um, Led Zeppelin. So to me, you know, they 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 kind of they are one of those big bands that everybody kind of loves and gives the credit to for you know creating rock and roll and all that kind of thing but for me it just doesn't connect mm-hmm. and, and that's perfectly fine but you could, obviously you can understand how um people's contributions you know have made music what it is and you, obviously you can go into the history of the Beatles in terms of like the recording techniques and how that mm-hmm. yeah. you know, brought music technology on and you know, 16 track recording and all that kind of stuff. Um, but for me, when it comes down to the bare bones of actually writing the song, if you analyse it musicologically, the way the chords and the songs and the hooks are all put together is really interesting. Um, and I'm, I'm a bit of a nerd about songwriting. That's that's my favourite thing of everything to do with music. And um, it's just this kind of magic that that I hear in these songs and you know there's a couple of bands who have that and and then for me when um you know I was growing up Kiss really were um one of those bands where the music just made my brain come to life and the cool thing about them is that they kind of have a discography that's a little different from other people in that if i want a rock record i can get a rock record if i want a metal record i can go get a metal record
0: yeah grunge
1: <laughs> disco pop uh there's a solo album that's r&b oh my um, god <laughs> you know it's it's this wide variety of genre and again they they kind of get frowned upon as a, a three chord band but i really don't feel like that's the case because of that variety really
0: yeah that's true I guess then of all those albums considering there's so many genres that they can cross over into and and do so well as well on top of that do you have a particular favorite record or is it just dependent on what mood you're in
1: yeah so you've got your moods but my my overall favorite is probably um and and KISS fans would say this doesn't count but um when when KISS uh in 1978 they decided that they were going to release solo albums and Mm -hmm. a solo album Mm -hmm. for each member all on the same day Um, that's a that's a really cool strategy (laughs) it was a really cool marketing technique at the time and you know they they were really good at that as well which is something we'll Talk about in a little bit, I'm sure. Um, but Paul Stanley's 1978 solo album is probably my favorite record
0: of okay. all time.
1: Of all time? Nice. Of all time. Um, it's just, you know, the the the, the songwriting on that is fantastic, his vocal performance. Uh, and I really love a lot of the guitar work, which is done by a a, a guy of the name, Bob Kulick, who uh, unfortunately passed away, um, who was actually originally, he auditioned to be in Kiss, mm-hmm. but they passed on him and went with Ace Freely instead. And he ended up playing you know as he's a quite prolific session musician he played with meatloaf and a a couple of other bands um and i really like his work on it and i really love it as far as a kiss album for me probably uh hotter than hell it's the worst sounding album ever (laughs) but it's got the best guitar riffs ever on it it's it sounds it sounds like mud
0: (laughs) it's terrible (laughs) um god could you imagine how amazing that would sound then if it sounded better.
1: I would love to see it re-recorded musically with the Mm -hmm. original vocals still on top of it. I think that would be incredible. Um, But then, you know, there's a lot of people I know who are into really heavy music who would never listen to Kiss because they find it too pop. But for them, I would recommend two albums. There's an album called Revenge and there's one called Carnival of Souls, which is pretty much like listening to Alice in Chains, which is... Crazy, people would never think that KISS would ever sound like that, but on that album they do, you know.
0: You know what? Now that you've said that, that's also the year I was born, funnily enough. Um I'm gonna I'm gonna go and listen to that one afterwards. (laughs) Sure, I know what you like. (laughs) Cause I first I'm pretty sure I first heard so like when I was growing up, the only music I was getting into is whatever my dad introduced me to. So very
1: much the same.
0: Yeah, but Kiss never came up in like our conversations or anything. So I think the way I discovered music outside of my dad was when I started playing Guitar Hero. Oh yeah, cool. (laughs) And I'm all like, there was that Wii game called Just Dance. Yeah, I remember that. And I'm pretty sure one of the tracks on there was a Kiss track, and I think it was I was made for loving you. Yeah. And then I think it was Crazy Nights that was on Guitar Hero. And those were like the two songs that I would flick between. And a lot of my mates from back home in Jersey, they're not metalheads at all. I'm like the only <laughs> metalhead of the group. So whenever we would play Just Dance and we'd go through like, you know, all the Britney Spears or the Beyonce songs and it would get round to me and I'm like, no, 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 I'm going to gonna crack out the kiss.
1: <laughs> yeah, cool.
0: <laughs> so I That's think, all. correct me if I'm wrong, but you've got three studio full-length albums with, yeah, yeah. Yeah, with the Beautiful Disasters. How has your love of kiss influenced your own music writing then? Because you've said that it has a lot. I know that visually, your music video for Sin Eater feels like it definitely has some visual influences, including the dark theatrics and stylized makeup. But musically, yeah. how does that come into play?
1: Yeah. So, musically, for me, um, I kind of. <laughs> I drift between two kind of of places when it comes to writing and it kind of informs my music taste in general. So for me, I either I will write for fun and escapism
0: mm-hmm.
1: or I will write to feel. Right. Which are two separate things. So for me, with KISS in the writing, again, you know, when it comes to their songs, a lot of it is partying and rock and roll and women and sex and all that kind of thing. And this is an interesting point to bring up as well is because people would probably suggest that KISS are a very, um, maybe the wrong word, but a misogynistic band. (laughs) Um, And I... I'm a big old feminist, so <laughs> people don't quite get how the two connect. No, I, me, I'm the same with Motley Crue. <laughs> so for me, this is how it works. So when I was growing up, I liked rock music. I was different from other kids. Um, they bullied me for my music taste because I didn't like everything that they liked. And it's in a lot of Kiss's very familiar, music, yeah, in a lot of Kisses music, they have a lot of songs about self-empowerment, believing in who you are, working very hard. And then when it comes to the grown-up part of that, when you're getting into your late teens and your 20s, they are just sexually out there. And for me, because it was something that I'd been around all the time, I didn't see the difference between well it's okay for men to write those songs then it's okay for me to write those songs or explore those themes in my own music Mm -hmm. because i've always just seen it as normal be who you are and have fun and it's normal um so you know they they do have um those kind of songs they have love songs they do have a good range you know the album i was uh talking to you about carnival of souls gene simmons wrote a song on there um that is from the perspective of a, a pedophile priest which you know people would never think that kiss would ever delve into that um so whilst they have that core of sex rock and roll drinking having fun being who you are standing up for yourself they also have a couple of things
0: where it kind of goes yeah I guess you could you could kind of call that like a political track as well surely yeah absolutely you wouldn't you wouldn't usually associate Kiss with you know politics or like the issues in the church
1: (laughs) no yeah and then there's another uh song on that album uh called um childhood's end which is inspired by the death of Kurt Cobain and you know, it, it Gene Simmons is actually a, a pretty clever man. Um, unfortunately. He he sometimes just says things to to get a headline, I guess, or he doesn't <laughs> think about what he says. Yeah, we'll uh, get into that later. <laughs> yes. And um you know, he does cover cover quite a lot of things and I think the thing about Kiss is that they, they weren't ever trying to reinvent the wheel they were trying to make the wheel bigger and more grandiose and yeah, they more were trying
0: to perfect it
1: yeah uh, and again like you said with bands like like motley crew and and things like that i think sometimes music doesn't have to be serious and i think that's okay and i think people can get into music critique and they can get into you know the pseudo intellectualism but for me, it just brings me joy. It makes me feel good. Uh, and again, um, there was a level of, you know, Kiss weren't very well liked by a lot of people. Mm-hmm. It almost felt for me like, you know, I was a freak, but at least I was part of the Kiss army who are also all freaks. Oh, so yeah. there's that the belonging and, and, you know, family almost uh, with Kiss fans Um, that is a really interesting phenomenon as well I've been very lucky to meet some really cool people just from being a Kiss fan and it's like I could turn up in Australia tomorrow and call somebody I'd met through Kiss
0: and they'd put me up for the night just because we're Kiss fans yeah and that's a really nice thing it's wholesome and just going back to what you were saying there about like music doesn't have to be serious this is the thing that a lot of people forget is that music is so subjective and people write it for very different reasons and people listen to it for very different reasons as well like yeah yeah you might learn something if you're listening to something specific but then you know if you had a shit day some people like to feel worse and get it out that way and some people like to forget about it and sometimes that involves just you know listening to ridiculous shit sometimes if it brings you happiness well yeah i mean one of my
1: favorite kiss songs is called uh juice and literally the opening line is get up and get your grandma out of here and that is not poetry
0: (laughs) it's hilarious though like surely if it makes you laugh then it's done its job (laughs) does it make
1: me want to like fist pump and bang my head yes yes it does it absolutely does. Uh, and anytime I hear it, it just, you know, there is that nostalgia to it as well. And we all go through this. The music that we discover when we are teenagers and in our 20s tends to take us to a, a a certain place in our mind and in our hearts. And it makes us feel a certain way. Mm-hmm. So if, I, if I'm having a bad day, I can put a Kiss record on and it will get rid of my mood like almost instantaneously. Yeah. Because it just, Brings me joy.
0: Yeah, it's interesting that like I so I call them my comfort bands. So yeah, so I work in the industry as well. So I'm a publicist full time. Mm-hmm. So the majority of my day, I will listen to whatever albums I'm working. But then to and from work, or in the evenings, or in my own time, like I find it really difficult to discover new music these days because it's I either listen to what I'm working or I go back to my comfort bands. Yeah. Um, so with Kiss being your comfort band being one of those bands that you discovered really like early on and it's stuck with you and it's your like I guess nostalgia band have kiss ever done any collaborations like if you if you could choose someone no. for kiss to collab with in like recent times who would make sense like for example that time Ozzy Osbourne had Post Malone on his solo album yeah it's and it an worked one.
1: um
0: oh, other than
1: me uh <laughs> <laughs> so there there was actually um it was supposed to happen, but it fell through, so they were gonna do on on the last studio album that they did, they were gonna do a track with lady Gaga. oh,
0: <gasps> oh, that sounds who like that would have been amazing
1: who is you know she actually loves heavy metal music, yeah. And she loves Kiss, uh, and they were going to do a song together called "Freak," and that didn't work. But I always thought that that would be really cool. Absolutely, why didn't it work? Do you know, or did they just... Not? I have no idea. It was probably some like record label legal stuff or something like that. Who knows? Um, but yeah, I thought I thought that that would be really cool. Uh, and then also a Kiss Ghost collab would be
0: oh yeah
1: amazing amazing to me but then also uh and then people don't really know all this much but D- gene simmons himself he kind of in the late 70s went off and he sort of was like a bit of a talent scout and mm-hmm. he actually discovered um van halen uh he was the original manager for van halen i remember and reading he, that yeah and he could not get them signed like nobody would sign them so he was like guys i'm gonna let you go i think you're amazing but you need somebody else because i'm obviously not doing the job for you so there are some demos out there apparently that have eddie van halen on kiss songs doing the lead guitar and that would would have been awesome and then he also produced a solo album for wendy o williams I don't know who that is. So you're gonna have to explain. <laughs> oh wow! So you need to look into Wendy O. Williams. Okay, so um, uh, she was in the Plasmatics, right? And I've heard that name. She, she's um, she's one of the first, you know, one of those first women in in rock music who really pushed the boundaries. So you know, like how the Butcher Babies come out used to come out on stage with their nipple tape and the black mm-hmm. X's. Wendy O. Williams was the first person who did that um and she you used to do theatrical shows she would come out naked all those kind of things where you know she got she got in trouble police shut down her shows um and she was she was very punk rock and she was a real for forerunner for for women in music and jean actually produced her um her solo album when she went solo um and and Kiss actually ended up recording a couple of those songs as well. So yeah, I I would really love to see a strong female musician do a collab with Kiss. And if mm. not, it would lost.
0: <laughs> yeah, ah, uh, I like. I kind of wish you hadn't told me about the Lady Gaga one now because that one would be fucking insane. Like I've I heard could just some. video, it'd be so cool. Yeah, <laughs> like I remember. I had like this weird period in my life at like the start of secondary school where, again, going back to the bullying thing, like I was trying to mm-hmm. purposefully get into pop music. So I had something to talk about with other people. And this was around the same time Lady Gaga was getting famous. Yeah. And I absolutely love Lady Gaga. And then when I discovered that she used to like be in her own heavy metal bands and used to go and do like heavy metal karaoke and stuff, I dig yeah. did a bit of digging and found like a couple of her old school heavy metal covers
1: oh that's cool
0: and they were so good and i'm just i mean not what a waste but like it's, it's gotta be yeah. done it's
1: gotta come back yeah. at some point Aww. she might do a rock record at some point but um yeah she um she's really awesome i really enjoyed um the fame her first album is a perfect pop album mm-hmm. and that's like you said, it's it's kind of like genre wars. To me, g- good music is good tunes, good tunes. It doesn't matter the genre. If it's good, it's a good song. Yeah. As far as I'm concerned, that applies to pop, rap, musical theatre, everything. And Lady Gaga is a, you know, she's a prolific writer, much the same way that, you know, Taylor Swift is. Mm-hmm. Um, And, you know, because it's pop and because it's, Aimed at teenage girls, people kind of like to frown upon it and look down upon it. But yeah, you then you have people like Kiss, who are like, nah, these people are the real deal."
0: Absolutely. So I actually I've only seen Kiss live once, and it was last year when they headlined Downloads. Oh, that was and a good it, show. I was there. It was. <laughs> I don't know. so like I've never even like I'd never even watched like a live. Um, like live video or anything like that so I went in completely blind because I knew it was going to be insane and I was like nope I don't want to spoil it for myself I want to go in blind (laughs) I know it's going to be good and it was it was exactly what I was expecting and more but I imagine you might have seen them quite a few more times than I have
1: (laughs) I've seen them
0: probably too many times
1: (laughs) Well, oh, on, is
0: there is there a number?
1: Um, so by the end of this year, it will be forty times. Oh my god! <laughs> to be fair, three of those times were when we got to play with them. Um, so yeah, 30, 37, 37 to forty times, <laughs> it's still a big number. <laughs> and you know, I've been going to see them since I was seven years old.
0: Oh shit. So do and you it- remember your first time seeing them? Yeah, and it was a
1: crazy lineup. So it was L7, right? Uh, okay. Thunder, nice. Skunk Anansie, right. uh R- Against the Machine and Kiss all in the same day. Holy shit. That uh, was <laughs> London Finsbury Park 1997. And I was 7 years old and I remember bits of it. I don't remember all of it, but I remember just being like, oh my God, this is the best thing in the world. And even now, even like literally the last time I saw them was uh, in July, just gone. Um, I It immediately transports me to a place in my mind where the world is fine, where everything mm-hmm. is okay. Because for those... and. I hope you kind of felt the same when you saw them. When you're at that show, the ho- the rest of the world doesn't matter. You're there yeah. for a good time. And, you know, there's so much going on, the lights, the the, the confetti, the fire, the, the whole thing um, is so immersive. Mm-hmm. And for me, I'm an incredibly anxious person. My brain does not switch off. But when I'm at a kiss show, my brain switches off and I can just enjoy yeah. the moment. And that's what I like from a from a concert.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I again like, I felt the same way. Like it is one of those things. Like you get some bands that where like when I go and see a live show, I'm going, I want I want to go for the live show. Like I don't give a shit about I mean, obviously I care about how bad the sound is, but I'm yeah. there for a performance, basically. Yeah. Um, and KISS really take that to the extreme and it is the same where if I'm distracted by something like, I don't want to be distracted by anything there's so much going on it's hard even if you really tried to just like think about everyday mundane life yeah but no I get that I get that as well so when you were when you went to see them when you were seven was that with your parents as well yeah with my parents yeah nice yeah. and was it your first ever show or had you been going to yeah shows my before parents- that?
1: show I was very obviously I was seven so I was really little um and then after that we just went to concerts all the time so you know as well as Kiss we've seen like Def Leppard, Whitesnake, Journey, all the all those caliber bands Bon Jovi um so much stuff and then obviously in my teenage years uh I got into you know some different stuff like Avril Lavigne was my um teenage love when I was 14 and that's when I discovered eyeliner and looked like a panda for a good three
0: years and oh, we've all got to be there uh, we've all got to go through that but,
1: you know if I wanted to go to a concert or something like that my dad would come with me and my mum would come with me um and they were always really encouraging of of going to live events and experiencing live music which was really good
0: yeah I can imagine then that I mean your first concert is always special anyway like mine was Bon Jovi when I was nine um, but they they were kind of like my gateway band into yeah. other heavier stuff um, whereas with you like the first band you ever saw is your all-time favorite band so I guess yeah. that makes it so much more extra special that you have that yeah. such a core memory
1: yeah it's it's really quite lovely and again um it's that famil- familial connection as well so, you know uh me and my dad are kind of best buds when it comes to the kiss stuff and we we go everywhere together with it and we we've been all over the world to to see them and it's just um memories just filled with joy yeah. um there's 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 nothing negative attached to it and it's very rare in life to be able to have something like that
0: yeah yeah it's interesting you say that because I have exactly the same thing exactly the same thing with my dad and Iron Maiden so we've we've only seen Uh Iron Maiden three times together so (laughs) or four I think it's four now yes I don't know remember it's always gonna be more I'm sure those guys will be going for a long time yeah (laughs) absolutely like every time they announce a new tour I just get a message from my dad straight away being like you're getting these tickets right as soon as they go on sale otherwise I'm disowning (laughs) you and I'm like "Yeah, okay (laughs) (laughs) so you mentioned have you been on the kiss cruise you have haven't you yes so I'd been
1: on um just as a fan um on holiday and it it is literally like I I cannot recommend any of the rock cruises enough to people. So it's basically like a festival on a floating city.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it's incred—it's incredible. Uh, just, you know, loads of people and they're all there for the same reason, wanting to experience live music um, and have their holiday and have a good time.
0: So, yeah, it's like download on a boat. <laughs> Do you get seasick? what I need to know. On the big boat? No. On the little teeny boats? Yes. <laughs> there are teeny boats? Is that like the, the smaller so, stages?
1: <laughs> so um sometimes, obviously, when the boat stops at a destination, if it's an island, you have to get a boat to an island.
0: Right, and they're sense.
1: like this on, on waves. Oh. But the, the big boat, the big ships that the actual uh, cruise is on, you can barely feel it um so that's good and then in 2018 uh we entered a competition Uh mm-hmm. they were looking for artists to play on the kiss cruise and we applied and we got down to the final 10 and then to five and then we got through to the final three and we got on the
0: boat and got to play with kiss that is absolutely insane it's Ins- crazy like and how was that like what so you said that was 2018
1: uh 2018 2018 yeah how was was that five years ago uh it was one of the most incredible experiences of my whole entire life honestly it was wonderful um so many of the other uh artists that were on there you know there, there was a broad spectrum a band called vintage trouble who were kind of like a Blues band, and they have one of the best front men I've ever seen in my life. He's like a mix in between Michael Jackson and Freddie Mercury Damn. Uh, he's a guy called Ty, and then I discovered the new Roses, who are a band uh who are big in the the new wave of classic rock scene from mm-hmm. germany as well uh and we got to play with um uh Thunder Mother,' one of the other winners and uh, a band called Wayland. Uh, but also the the reason why it was super cool for me was that other members from other lineups of Kiss were also on there. So their original lead guitarist Ace Frehley was on there, and mm-hmm. their A guitarist Bruce Kulick was on there as well. So it was literally like Kiss Fest.
0: Yeah. And, and I, did you like, get
1: complete heaven?
0: Did you get to meet them as well and chat with them, or how was that yeah, kind of interaction? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, so there was like a little artist area um, where, you know, you could go for food or drinks or, you know, just to relax and that kind of thing. And they were all kind of hanging around there and all that kind of thing. And there was one night with um Oh, excuse me. That's my dog. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bless. <laughs> Also, a kiss. I had to lock him out because he 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 makes noise, and now he's discovered that he he, he, he the door isn't quite closed, so he's like, "Oh, I can hear voices. Is that somebody to come and play with me?" And that's why he's winking. <laughs> bless. What breed is he? He's a staffy.
0: Oh bless him.
1: He's he's a he's a big baby. He's twelve years old, and he still acts like he's a puppy.
0: Oh bless. <laughs>
1: Uh, But as I was saying before he rudely interrupted me, Um, yeah, we are all kind of walking around. And one night, it was about two o'clock in the morning and um, Eric Singer was at the piano. So he's Kiss's drummer, but he's also drummed for Alice Cooper, Black Sabbath, Badlands, um, and Brent Fitz and Todd Kearns, who are in Slash's band, Mm -hmm. but they were also in Bruce Kulik's band. And the guy who wrote I Want It That Way by the Backstreet Boys.
0: Oh, what a tune. <laughs> he
1: he was just there on, on, on the boat. I think he'd done some co-writing with Paul Stanley for a solo album. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're all just there and they were jamming on a piano. And um, every people were just calling out songs and we all sang together drinking wine and it was one of the coolest things like ever it was just like one of those magic moments you know the film Almost Famous where they're singing oh, yeah. dancer on the bus that's what it felt like I, and I was just like I can't believe that I'm here and then there was also a really cool thing that the guys from the Dead Daisies were mm-hmm. playing that year as well and um, I ran into them at breakfast all the boys had been up the night before and we're still hung over in bed uh, and I was feeling okay, so I went to get some breakfast and um, bumped into them. And we were in the Bahamas and they were like, oh, we're gonna go to the recording studio where ACDC did Back in Black. Oof. So it's not a studio anymore, but the building is still there. And they were like, do you want to come? And I'm like, hell yeah, I wanna come. <laughs> uh, so we dro- They they got a taxi and they drove to this building and we took some pictures and then we ended up going to the beach um which was incredible and the water was just like the clearest water you've ever seen and marco Mandoz is there john carabi uh <laughs> lowey um who is in the dead daisies but he's also um you know he's a famous businessman in australia and i was trying to like pay for my dinner and he was like dude don't worry about it i got it and they were all so lovely and generous and um full of stories and Mm -hmm. you know it's like your rock and roll dreams have come true and it's still ridiculous to me and if i could speak to seven-year-old beth and tell her that there's a t-shirt that has kiss on it but my name is also on there our band name is on there i wouldn't believe it never amazing
0: So, right, piggybacking off that, you said that you have a T-shirt. I'm assuming it's the tour T-shirt from the Kiss Cruise. How much other Kiss merch do you have? Are you a big merch girl? So I have some bits. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But mostly for me,
1: it's vinyl that I I collect. Uh, So vinyl and um, like ticket stubs and things like that. Uh, in the nicest way possible, I have spent so much money on case that I'm not buying any more stuff, <laughs> which is just insane. Um, but I do, I do collect their, um, their comic books as well from the late 90s. Okay. I, I, cool. I, I like comics in general, um, but I'm a, a fan of the, uh, the artwork in those, uh, mm-hmm. and that's really cool. And then also, um, I do have a thing about the guitars. So the, the guitar that I play live is a, a Paul Stanley, uh, Ibanez Iceman model. Um, and if I could have one in every colour, I would. <laughs>
0: <laughs> There's still time. <laughs> There's still time. I couldn't win the lottery. Who knows? <laughs> so do you have a favourite piece of merch that you have? Is it the guitar? Is it a specific comic book? Oh, let me think.
1: Something that I have that's my favorite. So probably sentimental for me. Um, I have a guitar pick that I caught um, that Paul Stanley threw at me, and I didn't realize that I caught it because it actually went down my bra. <laughs> I've had the same things happen to me before as well. It's uh... <laughs> yeah, uh, and I love that because it's funny. So it's kind of like upstairs, and then. Um, i've got a couple of like my my artist pass from the kiss cruise so they kind of make you a little bundle like a welcome bundle yeah uh, and it's like a you know like a patch for a battle jacket and it's got kiss cruise artist on it and it's that's really cool Fuck yeah. very sensible
0: i love that so you mentioned that as well that you have some kiss comic books and kiss have been a part of some wild things in their five decade career obviously they were in in scooby-doo and they had a bunch of other things as well like a partnership with hello kitty at one point um yeah have you ever had any wild pr stunt ideas like that or do you think there's something else they could do that they're missing that they need to Ah. add to that list
1: well i do have to give it to um to paul and jean their marketing of their band and you know they were the first band that turned their band into a brand yeah um even before like the rolling stones and uh, and and, you know the things like that you know with the tongue and the t-shirts and all that kind of stuff and they they really i think where it really came from is that they they worked really hard and they wanted to get their band out there but they also felt that anybody who got on board was a fan. They wanted to give back and they wanted to be involved with people. So mm-hmm. a lot of the early kiss stunts that they did, like they did a cover of a song called kissing time and they held a kissing contest and, you know, just, just things like that. And um, there's a, a really important event in their kind of history Um called uh, had a lack high um and it was a high school in, i believe it was in michigan and somebody had written to them and said that you know their football team had been losing on a on a really bad streak and the coach had brought in kiss music before the games to get them amped up and kiss decided to go to the school and play yeah like, i think i
0: read that somewhere they weren't
1: paid. They just said, "Right, we're gonna gonna come, we're gonna come and we're gonna play the show." And then, obviously, out of that, you know, all the kids got in their kiss makeups. They had the football team. They had the cheerleaders, and they're there in their costumes and uh, and all that kind of thing. And really, it's creating a public spectacle and a yeah. frenzy that you know that's worth its weight in gold now. If that ever happened. Yeah. Um and then they did things like when they did do the first comic book they did a stunt where they put their blood into the red ink
0: yeah I read that
1: (laughs) Uh, and stuff like marketing the fact that like they did competitions where people would get to see a photo of them without their makeup but then the photo would disintegrate so they would be the only people who would see it and um another thing to mention there is they had a they had a management company and people involved from the early days a guy called Bill O'Coin and Sean Delaney who were you know they were two gay men Uh, from new york and Mm -hmm. they they originally worked in tv they actually weren't involved with any bands when they got involved with kiss and it was that unique perspective of actually seeing a band as more than the music that catapulted them into the stratosphere really
0: yeah i think Um, as, as well like with with kiss and all this these marketing stunts that they did at the time You know, there wasn't social media. If you were into a band, like you as a fan were so detached from these people that you listen to. And obviously, there's this whole like rock star persona thing, and there's no, there's no bridge. There's no, nothing there to bridge the gap between like fan and musician. Whereas with Kiss, because of all this stuff that they were doing. I guess they were probably one of the, like, the first bands where you felt like you knew them. You felt like you had a relationship with them rather than yeah. just seeing them on the TV or just seeing them on the radio. They offered so many opportunities for you to to understand that they were like actual people as well.
1: Yeah, and they were one of the first that had an, a, an official fan club. So the story of the Kiss Army is that... Um there were a couple of kids who liked KISS and they were phoning a radio station and they wouldn't play them. Mm-hmm. And so they co- literally, these kids coordinated phoning the radio station every single second of every day saying you need to play KISS or the KISS army are going to come down there kind of thing. <laughs> and they they really created a, like, a kind of a, a movement yeah. That was more more than just about music. It was about fan power and it was about community. Um, which I imagine for uh Gene, Paul, Elias, and Peter was something that they they really didn't expect. You know, it's um it's become something much bigger than they are. And you're saying, is there anything I think that they could do that they haven't done yet? When it comes to the merchandising side, they've got everything covered. My favourite thing, and I think it's hilarious, I want some, is that there's a Kiss mini golf in Las Vegas.
0: I love mini golf.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And they sell officially licensed Kiss air air guitar strings.
0: Air guitar strings?
1: Air guitar strings. So it's literally, the packet is branded Kiss but it's literally empty and they sell it for $4.99 and I think, and people buy it and that's genius to me.
0: And you say you want some.
1: (laughs) And I want some just because it's so ludicrous.
0: Do you know Um, what I booked last night? What? Flight to Las Vegas in January.
1: Oh, you have to go to Kiss Mini Golf.
0: If I go to Kiss Mini Golf, so I'm going with um, I'm doing Nashville and Arizona as well with one of my mates. Oh, I've never, awesome. never been to the US before, so I'm excited. Um, we're going with her family. If we go to the Kiss Mini Golf, which I will fight for because Dispatch loves mini golf, I will get you some air guitar strings. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Oh, that's
1: awesome, and then um, for the future for them i think kiss and obviously people you know they're going to retire they're going to stop touring but that brand is going to continue for a long time yeah. i wouldn't be surprised if they go down the abba route and they do a hologram show like that stays permanently in somewhere like los angeles or vegas or new york something like that to to kind of like carry it on yeah um You know, people have thought that perhaps that there might be like an official tribute band that they do. And they themselves have said that, um, that they could just get somebody to take their place because it's makeup and it's a character and anybody can put that suit on. I don't know how I feel about that. But yeah, I'm sure they've got something in the works to uh, continue the story after their part of the story ends, I guess.
0: Yeah, they've definitely they're definitely one of those bands that has longevity in their legacy, which not a lot of people can lay claim to. But um yeah. going to the other side of of KISS, Gene Simmons is obviously quite renowned for his controversial opinions on the current new guard in rock and metal. We've all seen the quote where he said rock is dead. But I have a little game show for you in this segment. <laughs> i'm so excited about i literally came up with this about two hours ago and i'm so glad i did
1: oh my god so I'm, <laughs>
0: I'm gonna try not to cry with laughter i'm gonna read you some quotes that gene simmons may or may not have said <laughs> and you need to tell me if you think gene said it or if someone else said it okay (laughs) okay first one i would urge all bands that say they only care about credibility and don't care about money to send me every dollar that they don't want i'd be happy to take it off them
1: i would say that gene would say that
0: 100% yes he did (laughs) number two Your work is going to fill a large part of your life and the only way to be truly satisfied is to do what you believe is great work and the only way to do great work is to love what you do.
1: Oh, I mean, I would think he would say that but it sounds too nicely phrased for him.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's not enough swear words in there. (laughs) Yeah, not enough daftness in there so I'm going to say no. Okay, and do you have any idea who you think might have said it? hmm
1: some other rock star who doesn't put their foot in their mouth all the time (laughs) steve jobs steve jobs (laughs) steve jobs yeah (laughs) see that's that's really quite funny because (laughs) for for, for all intensive purposes, from what i've read he was not a very nice man (laughs)
0: no exactly honestly some of these are hilarious okay number three there is no passion to be found playing small, in settling for a life that is less than the one you are capable of living. oh
1: Again, I feel like it's something that he would say, but it sounds too nice.
0: I'll <laughs> say no. It's too sophisticatedly worded. Yes. Nelson Mandela. <laughs> Nelson Mandela. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Okay. Number four i'm fascinated with myself and love hearing the sound of my own voice i'd yeah. like to hear what i have to say a lot of people don't like being alone because they truly don't like themselves but i love me yes that's gene 10%. absolutely was <laughs> the greater danger for most of us lies not in settling for not in settling our aim too high and falling short but in settling our aim too low and achieving our mark that's not him again too hard to well see this is the thing is gene is actually
1: really articulate if you actually have him talking about a topic Mm -hmm. but if he's doing an interview that's promoting something to do with kids, he just puts on his Gene Simmons character
0: (laughs) and says some really silly things I should have worded these slightly differently, but uh, yeah, that was Michelangelo, not the Ninja Turtle
1: I love both
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, next one Don't look for the needle in the haystack. Just buy the haystack.
1: Oh, that could be him.
0: Is that what we're going for? Yeah. Nope, that was said by Jack Bogle. (laughs) (laughs) Whoever whoever that is.
1: (laughs) Whoever that is.
0: (laughs) Never underestimate the power of being popular in pop culture. You have to be able to do something. You can have a good seat at the restaurant, but but you still have to pay for the meal. Fame is important, but to be rich is more important. That sounds like him. Yes, it was. (laughs) No one has ever become poor by giving. No, that's not him. (laughs) You're right, because that was Anne Frank. (laughs) (laughs) Well. (laughs) Okay, I've got a couple more. The internet is the new battleground of Earth, the Wild West, the place of truth and opportunity. That sounds like something he would say. No, that was Andrew Tate.
1: Oh, God. (laughs) Oh, dear. Okay, I've got three more. As much as I hate that man, um, he is kind of right because there's many people out there, like him, who make a lot of money on the internet from
0: vulnerable people. He's the reason the internet is a battleground. (laughs) Well, yeah, right now, yeah. Okay, if you're the greatest, it's okay to say you're the greatest. My suggestion to everybody is to be their own greatest fan. Weaker personas and personalities define that as egotistical or arrogant, but what it means is their self-esteem isn't that strong. That sounds like him. Yes, that is correct, it was. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, two more. I may be small, but I've got friends that make me feel 10 feet tall.
1: No, because he right. says
0: he doesn't have any friends. <laughs> Correct. That was said by Mickey Mouse.
1: <laughs> oh, <I> like Mickey.
0: <laughs> and the last one. It's more important to write something people will listen to than something that only means something to you. Oh,
1: I don't know if he said that, but I think it's something he would agree with.
0: <laughs> no, that was said by my housemate, Will Marshall, about two hours ago, who also writes for Metal Hammer. <laughs> that's hey
1: that's really good that's true that's true um but yeah so this is really interesting so gene is a very very divisive character uh especially now especially after his rock is dead comments mm-hmm. but there were, there were two moments for me where i was kind of like oh gene what are you doing and that was one of them and then the other was um the headline was, uh, "If you're depressed, you should just go kill yourself." Did he say that? What the fuck? But what actually happened? Obviously, you know, with some, you know, tabloid journalism in They'll particular things, yeah. They- They don't present the full context of what actually was said they'll actually get the headline and then people read the headline and they assume that's the whole story yeah so gene is kind of famous for the the fact that he's a he's a teetotaler. so he's never done drugs he's never drank alcohol he has worked from being like 10 years old consistently yeah and in the interview where he said made these comments about depression the framing of where it came from, and it's a real interesting take on how to perhaps treat people who maybe need a little bit of education rather than, you know, just just condemning somebody outright. So Gene's background is that he was a uh, an immigrant who was born in Israel and his mother uh, was in the Holocaust along yeah. with the rest of his family. And she managed to survive the camps by doing the hair of one of the the German officers' wives, and she managed to survive and She had Jean and his dad left um and they ended up going to america and um when they emigrated when they were getting their papers done to to leave uh his mother saluted like a Nazi salute to the American soldiers and he put down her arm and said you never have to do that anymore and then they emigrated to America to New York she worked three jobs and raised Jean alone he was an only child as far as he knew at that point and his perspective was my mother went through the holocaust she survived she got through it and then she had to bring me up on her own and she did all that without being diagnosed with depression with anxiety with any form of mental health issues which you know you would consider that somebody going through that absolutely would have some issues and he said that she kept going and she kept strong and she was able to see the value in life without getting into drink and drugs and he was like and then you have people who get into drink and drugs and they're saying oh I can't stop and it's gonna kill me and then his comment was well if you're gonna do that go kill yourself then because in his perspective if somebody who has survived the holocaust mm-hmm. five then why are the people with these issues not able to function and cope with reality when comparatively they may have an easier life. Yeah. Now, people forget that he's a 60, 70 year old man. He comes from a a period of time where, you know, like his mother, you just got through it. There was no yeah. help. Um and then kind of after he said those things, it was kind of sensationalized. And yeah. obviously he didn't understand. Mental health issues, the way that we see them now, and the way that they happen now. Obviously, the modern world is—it's so different. You can't—you
0: than... can't compare. If if exactly. all you've known in your life is what you've been through, then it—it's exactly. hard to imagine a different scenario than than what you've lived.
1: Exactly. So for him, he's thinking, "Well, in my life, I've seen somebody who's been through the worst of the worst, which it is." But then I see people in, you know, kids in Los Angeles who, whose mum and dad are fabulously rich and wealthy and they get addicted and he can't understand that or at the time he couldn't. So he opened his mouth about a topic that he didn't know about yeah, and got pretty crucified and people think he's this mean, uncaring person. But afterwards, you know, actually he did say that, you know, his children... Talked to him showed him some resources Mm -hmm. talked to him about these things that maybe he had never experienced yeah Uh, and he learned from his lesson and now you know he does a lot of work for for those kind of charities and realized his mistake um which I think you know we we can all I I firmly believe in consequences you know people say cancel culture and all this kind of thing I don't think it's cancel culture I think it's consequence culture but if you make a mistake and you you know you genuinely try and rectify it or you miss a situation or you're just not educated and then you go and educate yourself I think that you know you should get some form of not a reprieve but you get kind of like well fair play at least you're trying
0: yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, I agree with that as well, wholeheartedly. Uh, and
1: then the, the rock is dead thing, again, the co- the context of the, of the actual interview, if you read it, it's actually him saying that he believes that you're never going to see a band get as big as Kiss did. You're never going to see a band get as big as ACDC or Bon Jovi or like it was in the 70s and the 80s. And that's because of the change in the industry so right now rock and metal is not the popular music that is the biggest seller anymore that's just a fact and if the music industry stays the way that it stays which is you know other than a couple of bands that have broken through to the mainstream it's still relatively underground mm-hmm. and it's more based on community and fan power than chart success and then you have you know the change of album sales is now streaming revenue and uh, record deals aren't necessarily required to be a band yeah so he say he was saying that rock is dead in terms of industry in terms of doing big business the way that it used to. He wasn't saying that there's no rock bands. He wasn't saying that there's no, you know, because he knows that there's talent out there. Kiss over the years are known for giving bands a shot and giving them tours and putting them on because when they were a young band, a lot of bands didn't like them because their show was so big and so different. Mm -hmm. So they made a point to give bands a shot so you've got a lot of bands out there who got their first tours with Kiss and you know Gene is a very business orientated man yeah and I think I think personally that comes from his uh childhood trauma of being uh abandoned by his dad and being a refugee and in his mind he was like I want to make a living mm-hmm. and get as much as I possibly can he he is the American dream but when he's saying rock is dead that's a big term and he knows when he says that he's going to get inches of columns he knows 100% absolutely because that's how you do back... business exactly a, a famous quote of his is all publicity is good publicity <laughs> Um, And he is right because, you know, and you you mentioned Andrew Tate earlier, even if it's a bad thing when people are talking about people, it's generating interest and income. And now, especially in the music industry, all your engagement is online.
0: Yeah.
1: And creating engagement and clicks is creating income so he I I feel that when he said that he knew exactly what he's doing but I don't necessarily disagree with him because I find it hard to believe that there's going to be somebody as big as Iron Maiden ever again because of the change to the industry because of the change to the recording industry because of the change to the live music industry yeah in in general and I, I mean I would love for it to change I would love rock to become the most popular music in the world again but whether it will or not I'm, I'm not too sure but yeah. I don't think any of us can predict it and uh, and luckily I I don't know um exactly how old you are but you know you seem kind of like my generation is that there are less people into rock and metal than there are into other things. So there's still that kind of socially outcast kind of vibe yeah. about it all. And again, that goes with kind of like the underground thing. You know, you you, you only see bands like Metallica or um Are Maiden selling out arenas? It, but what I will say, there's been a couple of bands recently who have transverse that and they're kind of managing to to break that border like a uh, man mm-hmm I saw them recently a, a sold out Stadio, Stadio Olimpico in Rome and they are bringing rock music to the mainstream yeah and maybe it is possible who knows I would like it to be
0: I mean only time will tell at this point. I guess like, like as well I think you've got to have you've got to have a have a big combination of things like it's not just about the music any, anymore no. because of social media and because of streaming as well like you do have to it isn't just about you know yeah. what, you, what you're putting out it's about how you look it's about your personality how you connect how you I guess I may. I guess it's the same with Kiss as well. It's like how you brand yourself. And yeah. Maneskin are definitely, you know, becoming a brand now as well. Yeah,
1: and it's kind of sad in a way, but also, it's it, it's the new way.
0: Yeah, um, exactly. I
1: I certainly struggle with it. Obviously, we're in a band and we are very old school in that we like to go out there and we like to play and do the show. But for me, you know, when I grew up, rock stars were a little bit mysterious. You didn't know everything about their lives. Yeah. And now it's kind of like people aren't necessarily buying your album for your music. They're investing in you as a person. Yeah. Because they can get it for free they need a reason that they actually want to invest in it yeah which, which is... is difficult because you're not just a musician you're a content creator
0: mm-hmm.
1: as well and you have to be otherwise you wouldn't be able to be in a band anymore and be a success
0: yeah i'm finding so obviously like i work with bands day-to-day and like you can't especially bands that are like just starting or below a certain level you can't just be a musician anymore which I imagine fucking sucks like you also again at certain levels have to be your own publicist you have to be your own marketer you have to do your own merchandise you have to like even when it comes to like mixing and recording music even some bands and musicians are their own producers and mixers and engineers yeah and on top of that like it doesn't pay a lot either so you've also usually got full full full-time day jobs yeah it's so much and then again on top of that content creation too if you don't put out something like every day the algorithm forgets you and that's a lot of pressure um so yeah it fucking sucks
1: (laughs) yeah it's um it's really hard. Um, it's kind of like it's it's a job on top of a job on top of a job. So for me, I um I have a day job, I work my 40 hours a week, but then I'm also a musician, I gig on the weekends, and then you have to create content and have to write songs and then do the bookings, uh, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, unless you're in a fortunate enough position to have management or have a team behind you or a label um, in that traditional sense. And even then, you might not even have the best steal. You might be taking 25% off the top of stuff and that's going to your label.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, it is really intense. And anybody who is in this game is doing it because they love it. There's no doubt about that to me. You You cannot continue to do this. If it's not something you really love and you really want, because if you didn't, you wouldn't be doing it because it's it's a lot and yeah. it, it's very time consuming. And I, you know, I admire anybody who who pours their heart into it, honestly, um, even even from the other perspective, journalists, photographers um, reviewers um, venues, all the all those people. You know, and I I really believe in the community spirit of it all. We're really lucky that you know we are a small band. Um, we we are growing, but you know not at the rate where you know a video's gone viral and then you have thousands of fans. We kind of w- try and win people over one person at a time, whether that's mm-hmm. at a gig or somebody hearing us on the radio or or whatever that is. Um, and it's. It's so hard, it really is, but I adore it. And um, like I said, we're quite old school and without all of these people coming together, then we wouldn't be able to do what we love to do. And then if there were no bands, then the PR people and the reviewers and they wouldn't have, you know, work to do. And we're fortunate enough that we've actually crowdfunded all three of our albums. So not not the full cost of each one, but we have been able to get bigger and bigger and bigger with each release. As you know, you kind of gain that momentum and the fan base. And a lot of people call it DIY, and I I don't like that because it's do it yourself, and it's not. We're we're doing it together. Yeah. Uh, as as far as far as I'm concerned, um, and I really believe that the community aspect of music saves lives.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah,
1: absolutely. And and for me, coming back to the case, there have been times in my life where the only reason that I've been able to feel like I could keep going, in my mind, I was kind of like, oh, well, you know, I can't give up or I can't consider
0: acting on these thoughts because well I've got that kiss concert to go to so your advice to anyone that is in a bad place is to always have a kiss concert booked <laughs>
1: <laughs> or any concert, or something to look forward to yeah uh, something to live it, for and you know I I have um been through some awful things uh I'm a domestic violence survivor and um something uh, in therapy uh, that really resounded with me was that the guy that i was talking to who i was doing the therapy with he said that having um a creative outlet and having um something like that to motivate you actually helped in my recovery so much more than if i didn't have that yeah said so the fact you're a musician and you were able to process your trauma out loud and write about it and put it into something mm-hmm. rather than keeping it, you know, locked up inside is actually really healthy and really good for people healing. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, you know, music therapy, music as therapy is such an important tool for anybody who's going through mental health issues or, any kind of issues really um and a lot of the people i know in my life all feel the same way about music so whether that's kith or whether it's iron maiden or bon jovi or you know hailstorm or the struts or you know bad omens or whoever that you love sometimes it's the only thing that keeps you afloat and that's the beautiful me about music and this community that we have and I think um we're very very lucky to have it and to exist at the same time as all these incredible artists I think it's um pretty badass that we get to be around whilst these cultural phenomenons still exist
0: yeah absolutely it is such a spectacle to to witness especially when you see a band start and then see them grow, and then see them explode, and you kind of feel like you're you're a part of that journey with them. Yeah, absolutely. Talking about, obviously, music just then, um, they've not released any new music since 2012. Do you you know if they would have any more plans to, or is this finally, like, no more? I don't think that they will
1: Uh, I really wish they would I wish they'd do one more but I don't think they will and again the reason for that and as they've quoted is that there's there's no incentive for them to do it because in their mind it's like well you know streaming revenue is nothing
0: Mm -hmm.
1: so it's like well why should we record music that's going to get pirated and people aren't going to buy it and I get that from a, a business point, but it is old school. The way that we kind of look at it is that as as much as I do think that people should get more music for their streams, I really do. And, um, you know, Spotify, Spotify's profit margin is it's insane. It's an absolute joke. <laughs> um And it does need to change. Um, I have a suggestion on how that should work. Um, We, as a younger band who are in obviously a completely different position than a band like Kiss, we just see it as a tool rather than a guaranteed revenue income stream. Yeah, which is absolutely fine. But like for me, Spotify, the way that it should work is is if, like you know, after you've listened to something ten times. You should have to purchase it if you want to continue to listen to it.
0: I can get behind that.
1: Because I think that's
0: fair, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I Uh, mean, I've personally, I've always been like a CD gal. My CD collection is my pride and joy. And that's how I first discovered music on on CDs. And that's how I will always, like nowadays, now that I have, do you know, it only took me until I started working in the industry about two and a half years ago to finally get a Spotify account for work purposes. Yeah, that's cool. I like that. Old school. And now it's a case of if I listen to something on Spotify, you know, I can listen to something on the day it's released. If I love it enough, which is more often the case than not, thankfully, I will then go buy the CD because as well, like if if for whatever reason the internet crashes or a device fails. Like, you don't own any of that music. None of that is yours. Um, Whereas, like, my CD collection, I know that unless I lose those CDs, they are forever going to be mine.
1: I have to
0: rely on, you know, technology.
1: Yeah, and I and I like having something physical in my hand. But coming back to marketing when it comes to that so there's been a boom in vinyl in the last however Mm -hmm. and in the last year especially and it's getting the younger generation of people who are into music buying physical media and the one person who has managed it is Taylor Swift she literally has her young fan base buying five different colors of vinyl because they want to collect every single one And she's using old tactics, but she's using it on a young fan base. Yeah. Which she can do because it's pop and it's popular. But what it would probably take for a rock band, again, is a rock band who connects with the younger audience and then get them into collecting and completism and things Mm -hmm. like that. And that's how the industry would probably recover.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I I guess as well, like, it's that whole issue of um what they called like the instant generation like they're so used to getting things instantly and yes, their attention spans would. are so much shorter whereas like with physical copies of stuff you know you've got to wait you got to wait for things to be delivered yeah. there's a whole ritual into going into it like which for me i love like when i was getting into bands yeah. my favorite thing was to go through the the inside leaflet and read all the <laughs> lyrics as i was listening to it Yeah, but, same absolutely but that and takes then a lot of time now which some people don't like
1: yeah they don't and then there was guys like prince uh who had uh, again another great marketing strategy was that he would put a cd in the price of his concert tickets so for every seat that he sold for his tour it counted as
0: a cd sale hmm that's good that's a good idea
1: um so i i've often thought sort of bands gonna start doing shows and in the price of the ticket for the show they have a cd or an ep that they're going to give to every person that comes through the door
0: Mm -hmm. if you want to come and see us you've also got to support our day-to-day music yeah that kind of thing and
1: trying to reintegrate it especially down a grassroots level so for us our our fan base is maybe a little older but they are really good at at that kind of thing so you look at guys like those damn crows yeah they kind of came out of our scene and a lot of the people i know are maybe in their 40s and 50s and they again they'll buy all the different kinds of vinyl they'll buy the different cds they'll uh, buy all the different t-shirts um and again like perhaps for me thinking about the younger generation when it comes to merch obviously you've got your production costs and all those kind of things but maybe having a sliding scale so what about having a student discount for mm. your fans students, or they're at university, or they're studying, or they're doing an apprenticeship, and they can get your CD a couple of pounds cheaper than someone who's like, you know, 40 years old in full-time employment and they can afford to spend their disposable income on
0: music. Yeah. It's about finding
1: finding catering,
0: ways to, catering to your audience. Yeah. So if KISS did release brand new music today. What would you hope it would sound like compared to what you actually think it would end up sounding like? Considering, as you said before, like they can branch into so many different genres and have done over the years. If they were to make new music now, what do you think that would sound like? So, because of their
1: fan base, who are predominantly older, I think that it would sound, they would try and make it sound like one of their first like six or seven albums because they would be banking on the monetary gain from their core fan base. So -hmm. if they do something that was completely outlandish or a change of genre again, they wouldn't be able to depend on that income from selling the records to the people that they would guarantee would buy it. Yeah. But a little while ago, they did do a song with a Japanese
0: girl band. Okay. What band was this? Uh,
1: remember what they were called
0: uh i think i know I like three
1: but that's it <laughs> um and they did like a single where it was half the girls and half them and it was very futuristic and it was very um k-pop orientated so you know if the right thing came up i don't think that they'd be opposed to it mm. but my 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 bet would be that it would sound really old school. It would be a 70s rock record. And not that there's anything wrong with that, you know what I mean? Um, But yeah, I really wish they would make a a last record, but I don't think they will.
0: Yeah. And like, as well, they had their first farewell tour in 2000 and it's been 23 years since then and they're still touring. What, What do you think about bands that keep coming back? I mean, obviously as a fan, it's great, especially if you've not seen a band before. Like for me, Motley Crue, I'd never seen until this year. So yeah. I'm so glad that they did come back because that's given me and people younger than me that had gotten into them. To... Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: So with with stuff like that, I think we have to remember that people change and circumstances change. And I think sometimes we have these big expectations of our heroes and we think that they aren't human.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We forget that they're people yeah, and that their lives are exactly, even though they're rich and they're famous, they still go through the same things that we go through. So in Kiss's case in 2000, they'd had uh, the original lineup back together and two of those members were again suffering addiction issues or they were bick- bickering and squabbling. And that's why they decided to call it quits. It wasn't that they didn't enjoy it anymore. For like Gene and Paul, they still loved performing, but they didn't enjoy performing in an atmosphere that they felt was unstable. Yeah. So eventually they got new members and they continued. Uh, whereas now you know they are getting on a bit and it's not like the rolling stones where they can come out on stage and they come out in a pair of jeans and a t-shirt and uh, and and perform with kiss when you've got that whole show Mm -hmm. they've got their outfits they've got the makeup they've got the um you know, the the lifts, the hydraulics, all that kind of stuff to contend to. And Jean's outfit, you know, weighs fifty pounds. And then you've got a ten pound guitar on top of that. And he's 74. It's impressive. It is really impressive. And I tell you something, I have actually tried his boots on, and Paul Stanley's boots, and I have no idea how they do it because I fall over on stage sometimes when I'm wearing flats. <laughs> Like they are just incredible, and it's athletic. It Mm -hmm. takes a level of athleticism, and you know they have they have families and children, and they're coming to that point in their lives where they're ready to say goodbye to it in in terms of them, you know, touring. And I'm gonna go to the last show. However, if they then do another show, I mean, I'm not gonna be angry. I'm gonna be happy that I'm gonna get to do the. Thing that i like to do again because yeah. to me it is it is really sad thinking that that part of my life is over and also like if i ever do have kids they're not gonna get to see kids
0: yeah it's crazy uh, and to that think sucks <laughs> it sucks
1: you're gonna be one um, of those parents
0: where you're like back in my day kiss was the best band ever and yeah i'm gonna be like shut much. up mom don't know who that is
1: <laughs> um and you know, and then there's marketing, and people get annoyed at it, and I get that because they're buying into it being the final, whatever.
0: But when By there the is time, a final, it was.
1: But at the time, it was, and things change, and people change, and you know what? While they're all still alive, if they want to keep doing that, then I'm completely fine with it because there will come a time for any band that anybody loves. Where that will they'll never be able to again,
0: yeah.
1: because people pass away. It's, uh, and and that's the sad reality, is that much as we love our musical heroes, uh, someday they are going they are going to die, and uh, you know you look at the Twenty Seven Club, mm-hmm. uh, Jeff Buckley, Kirk Cobain, Amy Winehouse, what you wouldn't give for one
0: more show. Yeah. So
1: if they wanna keep doing the show even though they said that that was it,
0: I'm cool with it. Yeah, absolutely. You said that that you're you're going to you've got more shows coming up from them, don't you? When are yes. you next seeing them? I'm
1: seeing them in New York on December the second.
0: Oh nice. to uh, so gonna... present?
1: Yeah, so um I'm actually taking my dad with us uh, which was his 60th birthday surprise, which was last weekend, oh, and he looked like he was going to kill me. <laughs> Why? Because it was a big gift, and he's you know he's a very modest, quiet right, guy. Okay. Um, and I'm sure he'll um, thank
0: you whilst he's there.
1: <laughs> I'm I'm sure, uh, and I'm really looking forward to it. And um, it'll be a nice way to kind of say goodbye to something that has been so massive in my life. Um, And then I just don't know what I'm going to do after that. I'm going to have to
0: find a new band to obsess over. I feel like so one of the things that freaks me out in life is like never knowing when the last time I'm going to do something is. Yeah. So actually knowing that you know this this could be a band's final tour. For me, as a fan and as an anxious person, I actually like knowing that. I would rather know that I'm going to something that could potentially be the last show than not have it branded as a farewell tour and then just never having that chance again for whatever reason.
1: Then you'd be kicking yourself forever if it's like, I should have gone to that show kind yeah. of thing. It's, uh, yeah. But there are some contenders. I mean, I Hailstorm or... An awesome band um have a hailstone
0: tattoo
1: <laughs> oh awesome that's so cool i've been going to see those guys since 2010
0: oh amazing
1: busy uh, hail is a um is an idol of mine but again she yeah. also happens to be and, and you'll know this she happens to be one of the nicest people you could ever wish to meet um literally the other day um we'd done uh, about two weeks ago sorry we'd done uh we ended up doing a cover of i am the fire acoustic saw that yep and i shared it and then i woke up in the morning and she shared it on her timeline and it was like i have fifteen thousand views on my video what what happened like <laughs> that's so cool lizzie she, hale uh, happened <laughs> yeah and she um and, and the whole band Joe, rj josh mm-hmm. They are just incredible people and incredible musicians, and they really deserve all the success they're getting. Yeah, uh, and I love, I love Jaw. Uh, he's very funny, uh, and and that's the thing with with kind of my two vocal idols are uh, Lizzie Hale and and Paul Stanley from Kiss, yes. um, and they're so different, um, and. And then, besides those guys, I absolutely love Ghost.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I think they're the natural successor for a band like Kids. Just you.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um,
1: and, and um, I love the struts as well. I think Luke Spiller is probably the best modern frontman I've ever seen, ever. He's like... Freddie Mercury meets Mick Jagger meets John Jett on the stage
0: oh, amazing what a combo
1: <laughs> like and again their concerts very much remind me of KISS so mm-hmm. when you go to a rock concert it's that engagement and that level of fun and joy where you completely forget about the outside world yeah and I adore that and I think I think we need more of that
0: absolutely Well, I think that is the perfect place to stop. Thank you so much for chatting with me about this. One of the reasons I love doing this is because, like I said, I find it so hard to get into new music nowadays because I just don't have the time. And I get into music more when there's, like, excitement and enthusiasm and personality behind it. So it's really cool. Not that I'm discovering KISS for the first time, but I'm discovering them in a different way when I've got, like, someone else talking to me about it with their excitement and I yep. kind of like piggyback off that so yeah yeah really absolutely cool. thank you for listening to I'm your biggest fan if you enjoyed what you heard please don't forget to like share subscribe comment send it to your nan in the post every little helps you can follow us everywhere at biggest fan underscore pod follow me everywhere at rathchild underscore jazz noise at noise UK on everything noise podcast network at noise podcast network on everything and Satanic Tico at Satanic Tico and at Pitch Black If you have a band member in mind that you think would be perfect for this podcast, perfect for this topic of conversation, or maybe you are the band member and you're the superfan, drop us a comment, drop us an email. All other info can be found below in the description. And thanks again for listening. We'll catch you soon.